0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Today's Focus for Friday, March the 17th, 2023, at 3.34 p.m. Central Time. Today's Focus, Rebuild the Temple. Today's focus is Rebuild the Temple. Now, I know I'm doing this broadcast at, what, 3.34, 3.33, 3.35 p.m. Central Time, and today's focus is really designed to be something I do earlier in the day so that you have all day to focus on it, all day to think about it, all day to discuss it, all day to talk about it, all day to email me about it. But obviously, that didn't happen because now we're reaching the afternoon, uh, you know, later afternoon of this Friday, March the 17th, 2023. But this is the way I'm thinking about it. It's Friday, right? So the weekend is almost here. So I'm going to use this today's focus to kind of say, here is your weekend focus. that That's what I want to do. So I'm going to hand this to you on a Friday afternoon, and then you have all weekend to talk about it. You have all weekend to think about it, all weekend to meditate on it, and all week to do a little bit of homework because I am going to give you a homework assignment for this too. There's going to be two homework assignments, right? The first is simple. You just need to go listen to something. And the second, well, it's going to require you, a Bible, maybe some reference tools, and you're going to have to start doing a... A search, right? You're going to be going on a a search, and a, a you're going to be doing an, an investigative, an, an investigative, how should we say it, a an, an investigative research project. All right, but, but bottom line, you're going to be searching, you're going to be investigating, you're going to be looking, you're going to be you're going to be looking for clues to try to determine how much the Bible actually has to say in regards to this subject, and how much of it is not as clear as people would like to say that it is but it has a pretty a pretty big impact on maybe how you interpret your bible especially when it comes to biblical prophecy and end times and i think it's something that we definitely need to talk about so are you ready all right so we're going to i'm going to just kind of introduce this subject kind of get us started and then i'm going to give you two assignments one is just to listen to something and the second one is you're going to be doing some investigation you're going to be doing uh, some some searching Trying to find what the Bible actually has to say, are you ready? You've got the entire weekend to work on this, so it should be fun. Call all of your friends and say, Hey, come over this friday evening we're going to be doing uh we're going to be doing some Bible investigating because of the theology central podcast and you can tell everyone to bring some food and some snacks and you, okay, I doubt you're going to be sitting around doing this, but it, it in my mind, it sounds like a wonderful idea. so are you ready? okay here's what happened. It was around 4, thirty, five o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm getting ready to say because I say this all the time. I leaned over, I reached over to the little table right next to my bed where my iPad sits and I picked up my iPad. I'm like, I wanna listen to another podcast. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. It's Friday morning. I know what that means. Understanding the times. They've released a new episode of the podcast. So let me hit play. And as soon as I hit play, I was like, ooh, we're going to be talking about this for today's focus. But for some weird reason, almost 12 hours later, I still hadn't done anything about it, but here we go. We're going to talk about it. So first of all, I want you to just remember the name of the podcast, Understanding the Times With Jan Markell, you need to subscribe to it. I say it all the time. I don't always agree with their theology, don't always agree with their perspective, but I always find something interesting to think about and talk about. So understanding the times and the most recent episode that dropped probably around 11 o'clock last night or midnight this morning, somewhere close to today, it's the newest episode, is it is entitled Ready to Rebuild. Ready to rebuild. And as soon as I saw the title, I knew exactly what it was going to be about. I mean, because Understanding the Times is a program dedicated to biblical prophecy. And when you see anything, when you ever watch it, uh, you know, any kind of ministry that deals with biblical prophecy, and they have a program entitled Ready to Rebuild, you know, it's going to be about rebuilding the temple. Rebuilding the temple. I'm not sure if you are aware of this. I'm pretty sure you are, if you've been within Christianity in any length of time that there is a divide within Christianity. Some believe that a temple has to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. A temple has to be rebuilt. And then in that temple, the Antichrist will basically declare himself to be God. So that the temple has to be rebuilt. And some will say that, now we could get into a very interesting discussion here. The temple that is rebuilt, that the Antichrist will come inside and declare himself to be God Will that be the temple that's standing during the millennial reign of Christ, or will there be a different, will there be a millennial temple built? We, we could get into a lot of discussion about that. I think they kind of allude to this discussion, but there are some who believe a temple has to be rebuilt. To fulfill biblical prophecy, a temple must be rebuilt and that the Bible clearly states that it will be, that there, a temple will be rebuilt. The Antichrist will, in a sense, desecrate the temple by claiming to be God, and that there will be a temple present during the millennial kingdom. These are, some people are like absolutely convinced that that's the way you have to read the Bible and understand it. Others are like, no, no, that there, we're not even looking. There. It doesn't matter if a temple is built or not built. There's no biblical prophecy saying that it will be rebuilt. It's, it's just not the way it's going to happen. It's not necessary. It's not required. The Bible does not teach that. So I don't know which side of this debate you find yourself, but I always like listening to everyone explain their point of view. So what we're going to do is I'm going to play. We're not going to review all of this. I'm only going to review a little bit of the most recent episode of Understanding the Times that is entitled Ready to Rebuild. I'm going to at least get you started, and then I'm going to challenge you to go finish listening to it, and then I'm going to give you an assignment that you investigate. You search the Bible for yourself to determine exactly what it says about a possible temple being rebuilt in our time or in the future, right? I I think it's very important— does the Bible declare that a temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem? D- does, does your understanding of biblical prophecy based off your study of Scripture, does it demand that you believe that? Or you're going to be like, some? no, no. Whether they build a temple or don't build a temple, it's irrelevant. The Bible does not call for it. The Bible does not predict it. The Bible does not. It doesn't matter. Which where, where do you fit in in this? temple-being-rebuilt controversy within the Christian world. Let's see how Understanding the Times handled this. Again, this episode dropped late, late last night or early this morning. Here we go.
1: As Christians, why should we care about five red heifers born in Texas?
2: With the latest government in Israel, it's the most religious ever in the history of Israel. 64 seats. Netanyahu feels, I got this from an interview I did yesterday where this person heard from Netanyahu himself, that he feels it's his destiny, Netanyahu, to build the third temple now.
1: Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. They Jan talks with Mondo Gonzalez about some stunning events in both America and Israel. The arrival of some young red heifer cattle could signal the nearness of the Messiah's return according to Jews in Israel. What does that mean for the Christian? We'll talk about that this hour. Here is today's programming.
0: Okay, now before we do anything else, no matter where you fall, no matter which side you fall in with on this debate about will a temple be rebuilt, is it necessary or no, it doesn't matter whether one is or isn't, it's completely irrelevant. No matter where you fall in with this debate, let's make this very clear. We have to get this out of the way. I have been hearing about this off and on throughout, it seems most of my Christian life. Oh, oh, they're about to rebuild the temple. Oh, they're about to rebuild the temple. Oh wait, a red heifer was born. Oh, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is it. Oh, they've been, they're laying the foundation stone. All of these different things that have supposedly happened. Now, there's times in my Christian life where I just kind of ignored it, didn't really understand it, it was like whatever. It, that kind of deals with biblical prophecy by no means is that my focus right now it was focused on other areas of theology, whether for school, seminary, Bible college, whatever I was doing at the time. Then when I was, I was a relatively young preacher, a new pastor, I'd only been a pastor for maybe a year, maybe two years. I mean, it was relatively early on. And then there was all of these like, All of these articles started coming out about, wow, the the temple's about to be rebuilt. The temple's about to be rebuilt. And I just took it and I mentioned it in a sermon, basically preached it like, hey, hey, this is significant. And then nothing ever became of it. And I'm like, well, what happened? Like I preached that like it was. And then I started realizing, wait a minute, these stories happen All Every time I turn around, it's like, that's it, that's it. The temple's going to be rebuilt in 2020. The temple's going to be rebuilt in 2017. The temple's going to be rebuilt in 2015. And it's just like at some point you start realizing, slow down. So the fact that five red heifers were supposedly born in Texas. I'm here in Texas. I'm going to go find the red heifers. I'm going to go drive around and find them. But I'm joking. But I mean, if they were somewhere close, I I possibly would go do it for a road trip just to see. But... There's a part of me now that's kind of like, oh boy, here we go again, here we go again. Now, I'm more interested in whether the Bible teaches a temple will be rebuilt more so than the speculation that it's a getting ready to happen. I'm not here to speculate it's going to happen today, it's going to happen tomorrow. I just want us to really start thinking, and for your focus this weekend— what do you think the Bible actually teaches? And, and I'm going to give you your assignment, but you'll, that's where we're going to put the focus. I'm not here to get into some wild speculation that is going to happen in six months or a year or two years or three years or four years, because I've seen that play out over and over and over and over. And obviously, every single time people make these predictions, they've been horrifically wrong. So I'm not going to do that. I want us to focus on, is this a scriptural idea? Let's see what they have to say in regards to all of this.
3: And then comes the third temple. And take a look. We have already established that for the third temple to be built, you need the Antichrist. For him to rise, you need us to be out of the game. Why are you so depressed? (laughs) Okay. The first thing I ask you, do you know the Temple Institute? And what did you say? Yeah. If there is a Temple Institute... And everything is already there, set and ready for the third temple. What does it mean? If you see Christmas lights on the street in the middle of November, you know that Thanksgiving is around the corner. If you
0: see the
3: preparation for the third temple, you know that
0: the rapture is around the corner. So glad you can. Now, remember, uh, that, that is obviously giving us a very specific view of eschatology right? A very, that has a rapture, then a tribulation, then a millennial kingdom. Obviously, that's a very specific system of eschatology. I just want them to talk about this possible rebuilding of the temple, right? And you can get involved in all of that speculation, but we're, I'm just going to use this to get you to focus in all weekend on trying to come up with what the Bible actually says about it, and I'll get very specific with your assignment. Now we're re- we're reviewing the audio from Understanding the Times podcast. I would challenge you to find it and subscribe to it because I will be giving you the assignment to finish listening to this. But we're gonna listen to it. We're gonna review a part of this. Then I'm gonna give you your main assignment for this weekend. And I really hope you'll, you know, call a friend or get a bunch of people together and work on it because I think it would be a pretty, I think it would be fun to see what you, what you guys come up with. Like if you get together, if you just work on it on your w- by yourself, I would love to see what you come up with because I guarantee if you get three people together to work on this, <laughs> you're not going to get the same answers. All right, And, and I, I will explain everything in just a moment.
4: Join me for Understanding the Times Radio today. Got a very special guest on the line. And let me set the stage, if I might, for the programming, we're going to focus for at least a short while, and it might be even half or more of the program on the coming temple in Israel in Jerusalem. It would be called the third temple, and there is actually some temple fever going on in Israel. The Bible tells us that there must be a temple in Jerusalem. For- okay, now please note that she's
0: coming at this from a position her her system of eschatology says there must be a third temple built. There must be. Others say, no, that's not true. Every, uh, both sides would claim that scripture is their final authority. Both, both sides would say uh, that we must, that we determine everything by scripture and scripture alone. Scripture is the final authority. We compare Scripture with Scripture, but they would come to radically different conclusions on this point. I'm going to back this up. I'm going to back this up. Here we go.
4: Israel in Jerusalem would be called the third temple, and there is actually some temple fever going on in Israel. The Bible tells us that there must be a temple in Jerusalem for the Antichrist to defile at the midpoint of the tribulation. You find that in Daniel 9, Matthew 24, Okay, stop right there. Daniel
0: 9, Matthew 24. You may want to go ahead and start writing these down, all right? Daniel 9, Matthew 24. I am fascinated, like blown away that they would reference Matthew 24. Like that blows my mind. If if, if you don't, go, go, look up our series Bible Study Exercise and look at all the work we did on Matthew 24. Matthew 24, I still believe, is one of those chapters that is abused, misused, and manipulated so very much. Matthew 24 is a chapter about the temple that was standing when Jesus was on earth and all the signs leading up to its destruction which occurred in 70 AD. And now this now she is claiming Matthew 24 tells us clearly that a temple mu- a third temple must be built so that antichrist can enter into it, defile it th- midway through the tribulation. I think that that's a complete abuse of Matthew 24. Matthew 24 was about the temple standing at the time of Jesus lived on the earth. And that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. All right. and, and, and we talked a lot about this. I'm going to back all of that up. And then she said, Daniel 9. You may want to look at Daniel 9. You, what, what, let's write down all of these scriptures. Let's see. Let's, we'll get all the ones that she
4: mentions. Israel in Jerusalem would be called the third temple. And there's actually some temple fever going on in Israel. The Bible tells us that there must be a temple in Jerusalem for the Antichrist to defile at the midpoint of the tribulation. You find that in Daniel 9, Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2.
0: We did some work on 2 Thessalonians 2, and we, we think once again that it possibly was referencing what was happening leading up to 70 A.D., we, we, we looked at all of these things, if you, if you remember, right? So, uh, Daniel 9, Matthew 24,
4: 2 Thessalonians. Some other references we might get to yet this hour. Today, we see extensive preparations and much excitement in Israel for this third temple. As Christians, what should be our anticipation? Should we be cheering this temple on? Should we donate to the organizations building it? Does this temple affect Christians in any way? There have been two previous temples, Solomon's temple, then Herod's temple built heavily by Zerubbabel. And then there's the coming tribulation temple followed by a millennial temple. And one-
0: Now, please note, she has a tribulation temple and then a millennial temple, right? So we have Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, then we have the uh, tribulation temple and then the millennial temple. So that would mean that there's going to be two more built. Now, just keep that in mind. Well, uh, some, typically people are debating about the third one. She's seemingly distinguishing the fourth one from the third one. So there's been two in the past, Solomon's and Herod's, and then there's going to be the Tribulation Temple and then the Millennial Temple. That, that, is, that means two more, two more. That, that, that's something for you to consider, like, how do
4: we draw this conclusion? Why isn't every Jew excited about the forthcoming third temple? Christians are. Where will it sit once it is built? Isn't there a big dome of the rock in the way? So the third Jewish temple has been in the planning stage for three decades, and the Temple Institute in Jerusalem has completed all of its furnishings, with the exception of the Ark of the Covenant. For which they claim to know the location of the original one. The institute is currently training Levites to serve as priests in the future temple. Before we get into the discussion with Mike, now I would be curious in how they're training Levites. All right i i
0: i, I would be I would be curious how they're training Levites because my understanding is all ge uh, all genealogical records were destroyed in seventy A.D. If all genealogical records were destroyed in AD, how would you be able to know you're training a Levite? All right? Now, someone... Just posted this in the chat on Spreaker. Should we donate to the rebuilding of the temple? Now there is a thought that never crossed my mind. As if <laughs> to what? Hurry uh, to hurry the end. Wonder what we, what she says about that. That's 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 a good question. I I guess I I was so preoccupied with the other things I didn't even think about that. But that that's I mean, that's a good observation. I'm sitting here trying to figure out. Wait a minute, they're training Levites. How in the world is that happening? And they know where the location is of the Ark of the Covenant. Someone tell Indiana Jones right now. I mean, they're going to have another Indiana Jones movie is coming out, right? Maybe maybe he can find out. I thought it was in a warehouse owned by the US government. Okay, I'm joking. I'm borrowing from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, poor attempt at humor. All right, but the bottom line is there's some interesting questions going on here, right? a, A lot of, you know, a lot of interesting things. I, I, I guess I'm really. I think it's hard enough to even try to prove scripturally for the rebuilding of a third temple, right? But the fact that she has a third and a fourth, a tribulation and a millennial, I would think if the one is rebuilt in the tribulation, it would be standing for the millennial. I, I, I would think. But all right, let, let's see where she goes.
4: Guest Mando Gonzalez. I'm going to play a real quick soundbite. Happens to be Amir Safadi. He was the little introductory clip that we played. And here, Amir is making a clarification that I think is really important. And then he also sets the stage for where this all might fit in eschatology or Bible prophecy.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the third temple is not a temple you want to donate for. It's going to be the house of the Antichrist, it's going to be a source of deception and of complete disaster for the Jewish people. They will believe that there is a temple, therefore He's the Messiah. This probably is going to happen right after the Ezekiel 38 war. God will supernaturally win the war for Israel, on the mountains of Israel. Everybody will be so excited. And from that devastation comes a new world leader. The Bible describes him as the beast that is rising from the sea. Someone that is unknown. Someone that is absolutely not from the nation of Israel. Someone who is rising in a way that the world has never seen. Someone who will come to the point where the whole world will say, Enough with South African government. Enough with American government. Enough with German government. We can't trust anyone. We need someone who is going to govern the whole world. And when we see Him, we will even worship Him. And so, guess where that third temple might be standing? Take a look at this map. North of the Dome of the Rock today, there's a vacant area. Now, I'm not a real estate person trying to sell you something. Well, has a nice view, and uh, if you want, I can give you a good discount. No, no, no. I want to tell you that it's very interesting that this vacant plot, is actually exactly aligned with today's Eastern Gate. So many Jews believe it's okay to have a temple there. Maybe even the first and the second were there. Who knows? They found some pieces of original stone and they said probably the Holy of Holies was there. See the dome of the chain right here. This I placed that round dot. And that man of peace will introduce peace. The Bible says, That He will confirm a covenant. But that's in your English language, not in the Hebrew. The Hebrew says, He will increase the covenant. Hegbir. Which means, He will put on the table something that is far more spectacular than anything that has ever been offered before. What have we been offered up until today? Let's divide the city, Palestinian state. All people hold hands, sing kumbaya. No, no, we've done that. This will be a new thing, an ultimate peace deal. Jerusalem is probably going to be on the table. And because all the radical Islam is eradicated in Ezekiel 38, most likely there will be no more opposition for a third temple on the Temple Mount. And therefore, there will be a temple standing there.
4: Mondo Gonzalez is the co-host of the program Prophecy Watchers. I had the privilege, of-
0: Okay, so some interesting thoughts there. Um, there was a little discussion there briefly about there's no reason to donate to it because you're donating to a temple that's really going to be for the Antichrist, not for anything else. So that we, we should not donate to it. Uh, but it will be built. Uh, and they think that there's possibly some land next to where the Dome of the Rock is. It could, it, it could be. And they think maybe that's the best place for it. I, I think there's a lot of speculation there. Again, the issue is. From a scriptural standpoint, can we support this? Now, someone did make a a, a very interesting uh, observation again. Well, I mean, with all the wars that take place and where they are, maybe that's why they think that we'll need uh, another, uh, basically another temple for the millennium, that if there is a tribulation going on right there, that that temple could ultimately get destroyed and all of that chaos, and then there would be another temple rebuilt for the millennium, and then... Well, the Jews can then, and I know this raises lots of theological questions, but many believe that during the millennium that the Jews in Israel would re, would once again begin animal sacrifices, which would cre- it creates all kinds of theological issues. Because why would they be doing animal sacrifices if Jesus himself is their ruling in Jerusalem? But then they say that there's some Old Testament text that would seem to infer that they will once again start the sacrificial system, which again raises all kinds of questions and leads to all kinds of speculation. And we'll have to possibly deal with some of those passages at some point. But for now, let's continue to listen and see where they take this.
4: Ministering there a couple of times in 2018, I've invited him on for the hour to talk about some temple issues. We'll get into a couple of current events as well. Mondo, welcome to the program.
2: It's great to be here, Jan.
4: Why don't we start with the basics? As you and I have talked, you indicated that this is a serious interest of yours. But something happened back in 1967 that affects us today, particularly affects the Jews wanting to build their temple, and that was the Six-Day War, the recapturing of Jerusalem. But what happened to the Temple Mount back then?
2: It's very interesting to see how it has developed, because if we take a step back And we look at the nature of Israel, most people, I think as Christians, I know when I first became a believer and started understanding and looking at Israel, modern Israel, taking classes on modern Israel, that we forget that Israel for the most part is 90% secular. The country was founded in 48 as a secular country. The people that were there, David Ben-Gurion and others, the first president, these guys were socialists. In fact, many of them thought that they were going to become a communist country because of their affinity for socialistic thinking. When 1967 comes around, and in the Six-Day War where they conquered the attackers, they took control for the first time since really 70 AD, full control of the Temple Mount as well as Eastern Jerusalem. But what people forget is that there were some that were just excited in the sense from a cultural perspective that here we are in Jerusalem. So we know that Jerusalem has a culture as well as a religious aspect to it. But surprisingly, Moshe Dayan, who was one of the generals, the defense minister at the time... In order to avoid World War III, his words, he turned around and immediately gave religious authority to the WAC, the W-A-Q-F Islamic organization that was based in Jordan. They maintained sovereignty over it in the sense of security. So that's a big deal that right at the forefront, all of us would wonder why in the world did that happen? But when we look at their philosophy and getting control of the Temple Mount, giving it back and then having now it's been a conflict since 1967.
4: I raised this question in my short introduction there, and why is not every Jew on earth excited about this? And you gave a little clue just a minute or two ago and indicated not every Jew is a very religious person, but some Jews are totally on board with this and others, honestly, today could care less.
2: That's really what it comes down to. And again, I'm working on a book on this topic as it relates, because... One of the things that I've noticed over the last 30 years, my undergrad is in Jewish studies. So we spent a lot of time studying how to evangelize and understanding the culture, not only of biblical Judaism, but also modern Israel. What I'm seeing is there's some changes happening within the culture of modern Israel, going back from 1967, kind of that secular mentality, where today, because of the high birth rates of the religious in Israel, it used to be 8 to 10 percent. Now you're looking at 15 to 20 percent of Israel is religious. So you have just by proportion and population. But what you also have, even within the secular demographic, is their patriotism. Many of them despise the idea of a religious war and so they don't care. But what I see changing is even the average secular person is looking, and going, this isn't right that what the Muslims get to pray on there. And as a Jew, even if I wanted to, I'm not going to. I don't believe in God anyway. But Even if I wanted to go up there, I'm not allowed to. So they're looking at it from a human rights perspective, which is increasing the change in people's mindset among the secular people about the Temple Mount.
4: This whole temple and the previous temples, implications in the Bible about future temples, it's really very Bible-based. And then Jesus speaks, of course, of the coming abomination that makes desolate. Jesus
0: See, now she's referencing Matthew 24 there, but Matthew 24, I don't believe that is a reference to a future temple that was a reference to the temple that was standing in 70 AD that was destroyed. That that That's what I think it's referencing. I don't know how you read Matthew 24 and everybody just jumps to future, 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 future. Everything there is about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. We We've talked about that so many times, but
4: okay even speaks of the temple that was standing in his time, that not one stone would remain on top of another, which was destroyed in 70 AD. And I think if we were to have a... And it's funny, she will admit some of it is about the temple standing there. Exactly.
0: And then all of a sudden you just find certain verses like, no, we're going to jump to the future. Now, I understand that there's some possibilities of that in the text. We did everything in our power when we worked through Matthew 24 for our Bible study exercise to try to see how much of it we could explain as occurring leading up to 70 AD. And we did, we we covered a large
4: portion of it. A TV drama of that happening, which is what happened, the Roman soldiers chiseling all the bricks apart. I think there may have been gold in between the bricks in some cases anyway. Fulfilling Jesus' words that not one stone was left on top of another in 70 AD when that temple was taken down, but two more very prominent ones are coming up here in the future.
2: When you look at the Scripture, one of the things I think the average Christian sometimes, maybe in our field of people who are interested in prophecy, but when you come to the average Christian, especially those that have different end-time scenario or prophetic views than we do, eschatological views, Israel means nothing to them. I have several people who love Jesus, brothers and sisters in the Lord, but maybe they're preterist or partial preterist. Yeah, yeah. It's all been fulfilled. And you're like, really? And so I like to ask the question, what do you think about Israel or the preparations for the temple? And they're like, irrelevant, completely irrelevant, has nothing to do. And you're like, really? <laughs> so it's shocking. But as the world is changing they're continuing to question because they have no answers for what's happening from our framework. We do. I think when we go back to the scripture, as you mentioned in Matthew 24, what I think people need to understand is that prophecy is meant to give us a snapshot. One of the examples I just gave recently at our conference was, when you look at Micah 5-2 as it relates to Jesus being born in Bethlehem, or Hosea 11-1, out of Egypt I will call my son. And so you go, if you were before 50 B.C., you would go, how is this going to work? This verse says he's from Bethlehem. This verse says he's coming out of Egypt. But what in the world? But then for us, we see how those are snapshots, but the process, God has this amazing way to see it fulfilled, and we know that it was fulfilled. So when we see these snapshots, that at the end of the age, there's going to be this temple that the Antichrist comes in, and then Jesus talks an abomination standing in the holy place. And That's a very specific location. Everyone's like, oh, well, we know where that is. That's up there. And then we see Revelation 11 talking about measuring a certain part of the temple complex, but it's put out. And, of course, Daniel 9.27. So you have these scriptures that tell us at the end, at least by the middle, there is going to be a temple there. And we don't know how long. It could be a week. It could be many years. But what we know is we have this snapshot that in the middle there is going to exist this temple where sacrifices are going to be done, which will be stopped.
4: Daniel 9.27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and that would be the situation in the midpoint of the tribulation where the Antichrist reveals who he is. Keep in mind, folks, the Jews really trusted in him for the first half of the tribulation, and then he turns on them in that temple that will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. He will turn on them in one of the most vicious betrayals imaginable. But Mondo, something else has been missing here for a lot of years, and I'm going to play a short clip and then come back and and before she
0: plays this clip, once again, the scriptures that they've made references to, they got Matthew twenty-four. I think they said Refl- Revelation eleven. You may want to write that one down. You got the Daniel nine twenty-four, which is the famous one to go to. Just, just, just write these references down before I give you your homework here in just a minute.
1: Talk about it. These are the red heifers that landed at Israel's Ben Gurion Airport. Rabbis believe the ashes of a red heifer are necessary for purifying priests to serve in a future temple. The heifers were discovered and brought to Israel with the help of the Bone Israel, Building Israel organization, and its team leader, Byron Stinson. Rabbis from
5: the Temple Mount Institute approached Stinson about the unique cattle. They said, Byron, could you look in Texas and find us a red heifer? I wasn't expecting that, and it was shocking to me to think about it, but I know a lot of ranchers, and I know a little bit about cattle being from texas and i always say yes to these jewish rabbis because they're my friends and i love them and why not
1: this began an in-depth process of finding the rare heifer that meets key stipulations found in the bible
5: the bible gives us a clue as to the significance of the red heifers here in numbers chapter 19 verse 1 and 2 where it says that god spoke to moses and aaron saying This is the ritual law that God has commanded instruct the children of Israel to bring you a red cow without blemish in which there is no defect and on which no yoke has been laid. So it says that we're supposed to take a perfectly red cow with no white hairs or dark hairs at all and a cow that no yoke has ever been on. So as a result, it's very, very rare to find a baby cow that is completely red.
1: The ashes of the red heifer would be used to purify water from the Gihon spring in the city of David. Just a few ashes could purify thousands of gallons of water. That water can be then purified priests from any contact with a dead body, so they can offer sacrifice in the temple.
5: Some Jews go every single day to a ritual bath, to a mikveh, in order to approach God in prayer and purity. However, it is not the same because we don't have the red heifer. Once we have the red heifer, we'll be completely pure and we'll be able to rebuild the temple.
1: The red heifer must also be two years old.
5: These cattle are just around a year old and could qualify in just over a year. So if they're able to make it without growing the white hairs or black hairs, I think with five of them, we have a really good chance of that. Then they will be the first one in 2,000 years.
1: The Jewish age Maimonides from the 12th century said throughout the first and second temples, there were nine red heifers. He said the tenth would signal the appearance of the Messiah. That's why many are excited about this arrival.
4: Folks, you're listening to Understanding the Times radio. Now, again, everyone can
0: get all caught up into the red heifer thing. And I've heard this discussion over and over and over and over and over. I kind of just shrug my shoulders over all of that. You can speculate all of that. To me, the whole discussion leads to, all right, you, a Bible and reference tools, come up with the best scriptures that you can come up with that would demonstrate and prove that a temple will be rebuilt. I'm kind of giving you your homework assignment. I'll I'll, I'll explain more in just a minute. Let's at least let them get to their first break, and then we'll stop this. And then your first assignment will be to listen to the rest of this program, Understanding the Times. Then you'll do the second assignment. But let's let's let them at least get to their first break.
4: Chan Markell, I have on the line from Oklahoma City, Mondo Gonzalez. He's a part of the Prophecy Watchers team just off of their big conference. Mondo, help us understand this a little bit again. This would be the 10th that they're looking for. It comes out of Numbers 19, and the last red heifer apparently was back in 70 AD. So why there's a gap between 70 AD and today, perhaps because of a missing temple?
2: Yes, exactly. What you have is the Jews were kicked out of Israel, as Jesus said in Luke 21, that they would be scattered to the nations in fulfillment of the judgment on them because they rejected him. Without having the temple being destroyed and even a very solid presence, there's always Jews in land for the last 2,000 years. But in the sense of a governmental presence or a leadership presence, we know what began in AD 70, there was the Bar Kokhba revolt in 132 AD, where they tried again to kick out Rome and it got really bad. And so from really 135 AD, there's been no leadership presence in Israel. And so the Jews were scattered around because there's not a temple They've never really been able to even try to do some of these things. All the vessels, the menorah, as we know from the Arch of Titus, at least, were taken away by Rome. That's really the issue. But what you do have, as the clip we heard, disappears in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, and it was well said there. But the Jews also look at things from their tradition, their Talmudic writings, whether it's the Mishnah, which was written down about 200 A.D., which is the oral law, or the Talmud, about 500 A.D. Today, when a rabbi is thinking about the temple— they're not just thinking of Numbers chapter 19 again, which as mentioned, has got to be a female cow, no defect, no yoke. It has to be slaughtered outside the camp and it has to be burned. So they're working on these things. But what the Bible doesn't say is it doesn't say how old it has to be. It says just a hurrah, which is a older cow, not a calf, but it doesn't tell you how red it has to be. Those are all Jewish tradition things that were added, but for a Jewish rabbi, they don't make a distinction for them. If the Talmud says there can only be two hairs or less, that's what they do. So that's really important as we begin to look at why the red heifers are important and how they're being qualified. I'm not agreeing with the tradition. Jesus in Matthew 15 challenged them about their tradition. He mentions very specifically, but I'm trying to understand and get to the bottom of what the Jewish people think, because that's what they're going to try to do is to fulfill it according not only to the biblical requirements, but the Jewish tradition
4: requirements. I want to play a clip. It happens to be yourself. That
0: is interesting that the the Jews won't be just following the scriptures. They'll be following their Jewish traditions to say that this is the way it must work, which that's, that's kind of interesting.
4: You are in a discussion about this with both Tim Moore and Nathan Jones. I found it particularly intriguing because I kind of want to transfer into this topic a bit, and that is Christians are asking, what is our role in all of this? Should we be donating, for instance, to the Temple Institute. Should we be helping the Jews build this temple? That's going to be, again, it's going to be the home for the Jewish people, the first half of the tribulation. But then again, as I said before, Antichrist goes in and defiles it. Then the Jews are simply on the run.
2: As everybody knows, back in September, five red heifers were sent over to Israel from here, Texas. So I've been working on some research and material just to kind of provide an overall framework of what the Christians should think. And again, you guys have been involved in that in the sense of shaping the average Christian is asking, well, what do I do with this information? We know that it's part of the prophetic fulfillment. How should I respond? Should I jump on board? Should I support it? Should I not? It's really, I think, a helpful conversation.
5: These red heifers, what is the significance? Of? Why don't we start with that? Because yeah, we are heard Why do we need these red cows? So
2: (laughs) this is good because biblically you have the red heifer ceremony in Numbers 19. But we take scripture solid, but what we're dealing with now is, in addition to that, is the feeling and the thinking of the modern rabbinic movement or the Orthodox movement or even the religious Jewish movement in Israel, the Temple Mount Faithful, the Temple Institute. These are these groups that have been, really for the last 30 years at least, trying to find the Red Heifer. Why? Because their goal is to build a temple. They believe, according to Moses, that's the only way they can connect with God. The temple was destroyed in eighty seventy. So you have their framework, and then you have our... Our perspective, which we understand, the Bible does say. Matthew twenty four fifteen, Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it in Second Thessalonians two, Revelation eleven, even Daniel. So you have these four witnesses
0: Scripture that there's going to be a temple. Please note that they keep going to the same scriptures over and over and over and over. It's, it's Matthew 24, 2 uh, Thessalonians, Revelation, I believe 11, and Daniel 9 24. That's where they're going to go over and 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 over. Keep this in mind because I already kind of give you a hint of what I'm going to give you for your homework assignment. Uh, but I mean, they've had every opportunity to offer any meaningful scriptural discussion here, and they're, they're, they're not, they're just, they're just, kind of at a quick drive-by, making a reference to these scriptures, but not really helping us. The Revelation one may be the best one. Now, we can get into debate on when the book of Revelation was written. I, I believe it was written after 70 AD. Some will argue that it was written before 70 AD, which would then create all kinds of other issues about a temple being mentioned. But all right, let right, right, let's at least listen to this part.
2: During the tribulation period. So we're looking at that fact, and then through deduction, (laughs) we're in inference, we're moving backwards say, well, how does that happen? It doesn't just, voila, appear. So what are the steps that happen so that when we see that, so us watching the events unfold, enter the red heifer. So the red heifer traditionally is meant to purify those that are unclean.
6: The cow itself? Well, oh, okay. after the ashes. So they oh, burn okay. it. Numbers okay. 19, they burn it. Rub against the cow on, on a cow. Kind of what we <laughs> call a holy cow, huh? Yes, yeah. the holy cow. <laughs> the holy cow. So
2: they burn it in a in a pit, they take the ashes, they mix it with water, and now they have this opportunity where you can spread it and cleanse people that are unclean. So,
6: to a degree, a lot of Christians have always focused on the temple, which is a building, which is a structure. Yep. But the Jewish mind is, before we can get to the structure, we have to focus on, again, Jewish thinking, the heart. And so the way that we purify the heart and the land, the real estate to be able even to build the temple is to have the red heifer whose ashes will lend to purification according to Numbers 19. So, again, some of the evangelical expectation of a temple is preceded by the purification, and we don't agree with the fact that you can be purified other than by the blood of Jesus Christ, but we're trying to understand the Jewish mindset in preparing for the temple itself.
2: We know as well that what's God's goal with the Jewish people? He wants to save them. The tribulation period is the time of Jacob's trouble. They're going to have a long talk during the seven-year period, and his goal is at the end, all Israel will be saved. And so God knows, as all of us were stiff-needed.
0: I don't like to say that's his goal. I think it's stated as if it will happen as a fact, but okay.
2: I mean, the Bible says that you have this group of people. His goal is to introduce them to Jesus for them to consider it, and it takes seven years for them to come to that point. But they're working from their frame of reference, which is Moses. And the temple. And so God's like, okay, I'm going to work through your frame of reference in order to get you to my son. And so that requires all these other pre-things. And so the red heifers that we see now have been there. Again, you can go back and they've been in motion. Many of them are disqualified. I mean, I've written about them many times over the years. and like, oh, let's watch. Because what you have is there's a timing factor, too, which I think is pretty fascinating because... In Numbers 19, it doesn't give you the age of, there's two Hebrew words, one for an adult cow, or an aged cow, and one for a calf. So it talks about an aged cow. So in rabbinic thinking, again, that's what matters, two years and eight days. That's how old they have to be. And depending on the rabbis, they are. Yeah, like and even
6: the them. red heifer part, they've added specifications on how many white hairs yep, and how many this, how it. Many. So, they so they took
3: something this, easy and made it more <laughs> complex. <laughs> much more
6: complex than <laughs> mm-hmm. many other rules that you yep. just think, wow, well, goodness, who can keep up with this?
4: Mondo, I think that the two years and eight days is coming up this fall, perhaps October.
2: Depends on the rabbi. Some rabbis today are saying two years and one day. Some are saying two years, eight days, some two years and 30 days. But what we do know in my research, and I was able to meet with the guy that was at ground zero all this, that introduced the rancher, Ty Davenport, to Byron Stinson, which Mm -hmm. we heard earlier. He was there when they were born. They were born from October 5th to 12th of 2021. And so if you add 2 years to that, you come to October of this year. Maybe it's 2 years one day. So we just know the general framework that in October, of October 12th through November 12th, that's the window that you have that if those that remaining to be qualified, at least one of them will be slaughtered. I did hear that one of them is no longer qualified. So now we only have four. All so right. that's the latest
4: update. I appreciate that update. You gentlemen referred to a Bible verse in that interview you that That's just fascinating that, that I guess it is interesting
0: that we're going to be we're going to be watching this play out in real time. Now that went from five. Now there's four left. How many are going to be qualified when we get to October of 2023? <laughs> it is kind of fascinating to watch that this is all really happening. But that's because those, there are those who take these things extremely serious. And whether you agree with the theology or don't agree with the theology, there, there, there's a lot here because many believe the Bible clearly identifies that a temple has to be rebuilt, and what they're trying to say is it can't be rebuilt until you have the red heifer that can do the purifying so that you can rebuild. So it, it is kind of interesting to see how all this is playing out.
4: We had with Nathan Jones and Tim Moore. You talked about all Israel being saved, and I believe that's Romans eleven twenty-five. And I think we need to clarify, and I've mentioned this on air before,
0: Okay. They're going to go into all Israel being saved. I will stop right there and let you go listen to the rest of it. There's 32 minutes and 43 seconds left. That's Understanding the Times with Jan Markell. Please look it up wherever you get your podcast. Uh, You can get it at uh, OnePlace.com or the One Place app, the Edify Christian podcast app, or any other podcast app. Just look up for Understanding the Times by Jan Markell. If you can't find it, let me know. Um, I'll try to... um, yeah, I will send it to you if you if you need it, but you definitely need to listen to the rest. So here are your, your assignments. Number one, listen to the rest of Understanding the Times by Jan Markell. Let me know what you think, your thoughts, questions. If you have any questions, they're getting ready to talk about Romans 11, let me know, and we can address it on a, a future broadcast. But the, the thing I want you to do, this is this is your focus for the weekend. I want you to grab a Bible, a notebook, and I want you to try to find the verses that you think are the ones that are most emphatic, most clear, that seems to indicate without a shadow of a doubt that there has to be another temple built. I'm not asking you to try to prove that there's going to be a third one and a fourth one, just that there's going to be another temple built, whether it's just one or whether it's two. Find me the scriptures that you think would best support that idea, and then maybe find the scriptures that you think would best argue against that idea. What can you find? Now they went to Matthew four or Matthew twenty four. Second Thessalonians, I believe, chapter two. Um, I believe it's Second Thessalonians chapter two. Let me not let me not uh, give you wrong information. Let me not let me give you correct information because I can save you a lot of time. But you can look at these for yourself. But go, you can uh, see Second Thessalonians chapter two. Yeah. Yes, uh 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2, all right? That that one, oh boy, yeah. We we've talked about that one and and I and I kind of got myself in trouble because I once again I think that that's pointing to something that happened in 70 AD. But I I digress. All right, L- literally before 70 A.D. because there were some crazy things going on in the temple leading up to 70 A.D. and we talked about some of those. All right, but so Matthew 24, Second Thessalonians chapter two, Revelations chapter eleven, and Daniel nine twenty four. Those are the ones they repeated over and over and over and over and over. And the twenty four minutes of audio we reviewed, I think they quoted or made references to those v- verses probably three or four times. And that's all they gave us. They never gave any others. so I know they weren't trying to do an extensive you know study on it but I think it's very important for us to just try to determine without looking at commentaries without looking at books on biblical prophecy just you yourself going okay here are the verses I think clearly proves there's going to be a future temple there's going to be a third one and then here are the verses I would think that would seem to contradict that there's going to be a third one and that's 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 your that's your homework that's your assignment that's your assignment. Listen to the rest of Understanding the Times by Jam Markell, the most recent podcast episode. Please do that. Please, please, please. Let me know what you think about it, thoughts, observations. And then, please, 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 on your own or with a group of people, wherever you want to work on it, find the verses that you think prove that there's going to be a third temple built or verses that you think are going that disproves it and feel free to share anything you find on our faith life group. If you'll, if you'll download the faith life app, faith life, that's faith life all run together, faith life, download the app Apple or Google. And then once you do so do a, a search for theology central, look for the one that says theology central, we're listed as a church. There's one that's listed as a radio program. I don't know why there's two of us, I've only built one. I don't know where the other one came from. I have no control over the other one. It's our logo. I don't, and, we're not a, and we're not a radio program. It's weird. But uh, find the one that says Theology Central listed as a church. Join that group, and then you can post anything you want there. You can leave a comment, whatever you want. And uh, we will, uh, we, I'll be posting information there in regards to maybe some of what we find. I would love to see your, your study and what you come up with. There you have it. I thought that was a, a good thing to focus on for the weekend. So today's focus went a little, well, all of them recently have been going long, but there you go. There you go. But please, by all means, do so. Those of you who, who have access to Right Now Media, we, which we've been talking about in previous episodes, you can get on there and see if they have any content about the temple. All right. There you go. Uh, see, that's how we can supplement this. See, that's how we can supplement this. All right. That, that's, yeah. There you go. We won't talk about that right now. All right. There you go. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I hope you have a good weekend thinking about this, meditating on this, talking about this. Maybe get your Sunday school class to talk about it. I think it's an interesting topic, an interesting subject. And I think a lot of people bring to this subject a lot of presuppositions. I want you to lay aside your presuppositions, go, just looking at the scripture, can I prove there's going to be a third temple or not? Or do I find scripture that would seem to argue against a third temple? All right, there you go. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Can't wait to hear from everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll be doing more live broadcasting this evening, tomorrow. I'm going to try to make up for how far I feel that I'm behind, but there we go. I thought that was a fun thing to listen to. Should raise lots of good, uh, hopefully create a lot of good conversations, and that's the goal. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great weekend. God bless.